Agents Podcast. This episode of the Lab Code Agents Podcast is brought to you by RedX, the complete real estate prospecting solution. RedX offers high quality lead data on expireds, for sale by owners, vacant rental property owners, pre foreclosures, and geo leads, the number one data source for neighborhood prospecting. You can also filter, organize, and call your leads inside Vortex, the all in one lead management platform free with any lead subscription. With RedX, you get more than just phone numbers. You get all the tools you need to connect with more homeowners who are actively looking to sell. RedX is offering our listeners $150 off. Just go to redx.bz forward slash LCA. That's R-E-D-X dot B-Z forward slash LCA to sign up for RedX today. Lab Coach Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Lab Coach Agents Podcast. And I'm excited for today because uh, I jumped into this interview, which many times I've never met the guest ever. Uh, I have no idea who they are other than reading a bio or, you know, reading a, an email. Uh, today, we jumped on the call, which we're doing this via Zoom. Most of you are probably listening. And I'm like, I recognize you from somewhere. And turns out we've got a good mutual friend, business partner, and Dan Lesniak. Uh, and guess where I have seen this gentleman all over the place is on TikTok, no less, uh, which is fantastic. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but that's not why he's here. Uh, our guest today is Sunil Saxena out of the DC market, DMV area, a doctor turned real estate investor, home builder, renovator, general contractor, best selling author. 20 years of experience in the real estate industry, uh, and, and here I am. That's why we were meeting, but here I am most excited about the TikTok aspect. Nice. <laughs> Sunil, welcome to the show, my man. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great that we have this uh, mutual connection with Dan, but uh, you know, just really happy to be here. Awesome. So first of all, let's tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, you made the obvious segue transition that you know everybody makes from doctor to real estate investor. <laughs> A kid, of course. Uh, what? Tell us a little bit about. Tell us about your background. What? What got you know? You you went to school, a lot of school, to earn a lot of money, and said, "Nah, I don't want to do that anymore." Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, my story is that um, you know, uh, I've been, I'm I'm Indian. My that's my background. So I think we all have to go to medical school. So I kind of required or something like that. But I, I got into a six year program real early, right out of high school. So I actually graduated medical school when I was 23. So really young didn't really have a chance to you know figure out what i wanted to do with my life that type of thing and once you kind of get in the medical profession you just you, you know next step next step you just keep going for years you know decades off sometimes but uh, i always knew i was an entrepreneur even way back i still remember like in high school and you know early college i was kind of like, man if i just started the store how would this work and i always was thinking that way and um i practiced here in dc for about eight years and just got really kind of tired of the grind uh, you know, the nights, weekends, holidays, all this kind of stuff. I knew I needed to get out. But as you mentioned, a lot of most doctors never get out because it's so difficult to make that transition. Uh, but yeah, I just was able to transition. I uh, love real estate, you know, tried other businesses as well. But real estate really was the one that I think is to me the best business, the way to go. And really, I think you mentioned something about making a lot of money. It's a lot of school, but it's not a lot of money. That's the problem with medicine right now. It's very actually, you make good money, you have a very good living, but it's not uh, certainly not doctors aren't rich and building wealth right now. It's, well, I, I think the, the commoner does think that. I think that. I think, I mean, I get it. Like doctors come out with, you know, it probably takes 10 years to, to get over the hump, right? But is, is, is that just a complete misconception? I mean, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised I still hear that because I know, again, from the layman's way, everyone, everybody says that. What you say is everybody says that to me. It's like, oh, hey, doctors make a lot of money. But my mom was, is a, I mean, she's still alive, but she was a practicing pedi- pediatrician and she practiced in the, what was it, or like 80s, mostly 80s and uh, into the 90s. And uh, yeah, they were making a lot of money back then. A general surgeon was making like a, a million bucks was, a, was normal. And now they're making like 150, 180. I was making, you know, about 200,000 a year, uh, which is again, not bad, but you're not going to get build wealth and, and, you know, do all this, the cool stuff that real estate allows uh, with making a couple hundred grand a year. So again, yeah, it's, it's a good living. It's not like doctors are poor by any stretch, but they certainly aren't uh, rich. So Interesting. I, I, I did not know that. It's, it's, uh, this is a real estate podcast, but this happens often with me because I go down different uh, paths in the beginning of these conversations. Uh, what, let me ask one last question because my audience is going to get annoyed with me unless they're as, as goofy as I am and like this stuff. What has changed in that industry that that million dollars has now been suppressed to 150? Oh, wow. Um, we can talk about medicine. I can talk about it all day long. Uh, I mean, really insurance companies, when they came in, managed health care, that was what happened in the 80s and 90s. I don't know, if, depending on your listener's age, if you remember all that stuff, uh, the HMOs came in. So really the problem with medicine fundamentally is that it's not a free market business. So again, like, again, uh, you know, I build, I build condos. So what happens, my material costs have gone up 10% this year, right? Just in the last six months. Guess what? I'm going to go sell that condo for 10% more. No problem. It's market's actually up even more than 10%. Medicine, you can't do that. The insurance companies tell you what you can charge. So in the emergency room, for example, we have five billing codes and that's it. It depends on the complexity, there's more, but it basically boils down to these five. And our whole goal is just to get the patient up to a little bit higher to the next level up. But the insurance company basically tells you for level three, you're gonna get reimbursed this. It doesn't matter if I spent five hours with that patient or I spent five minutes with that patient. So again, you can imagine the costs keep going up just one small example I can remember of cost when I was, this is again, at least a decade ago, but in Maryland, there was a big uh, insurance crisis and all the uh, insurers left Maryland. There's only one insurance company left that would insure physicians, it's emergency physicians. And our premium went up four times that year. So we were paying four X on our malpractice insurance, yet we can't, there's no room at all to change the billing. So that's, it's kind of like an artificial thing that's been created here uh, by, by insurance companies and the government. Uh, even, again, I can go on and on about this, but my, my ex-wife is a, was a dentist or is a dentist. And the same thing, like when you, when you sign a contract with an insurance company, you can't bill their patient anymore. That's it. They tell you this is all you can bill that patient. So, and again, the doctors can't get together. They don't have a union or something to fight the insurance companies. And so as a single solo practitioner, you can't fight an insurance company. And, and without the insurance company, you can't, you, you're, you're half your patient flow is gone. So it's just, it's an artificial system that's been created that kind of um, has really allowed them to drive the, the cost of, uh, at least the salaries of physicians down. Fascinating. Uh, and sounds like a crock of uh, you know what, but uh, it is. I'll, leave, <laughs> I'll leave that right there. So w- when you said, you know, uh, you were a doctor, you were doing well, and you said, you know, you knew you had entrepreneur in you. At what point did, I don't know if you mentioned this, like how far were you into your, your doctor career when you said, I'm going to shift. And I assume the shift was, I'm going to tiptoe in and I'm going to keep being a doctor while I invest until I build up enough of a, you know, maybe income or revenue stream that I can break away. Is that what you did? Yeah. Even during my residency, I, you know, I was in my, uh, did my residency from 28 to 30, uh, uh, 31. So three year residency. 
I, I pretty much even knew at that point that this is not what I, I want to do long term. It's not what I want to do with my life. But, you know, again, you're in the profession. You don't want to fit. You want to finish it off. I got married. You know, I, whatever family bills are coming. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to give up my medicine career right in the middle of this residency. But yeah, for me, I think I think one of the interesting things is the more you earn, the harder it is to transition something else. So if you're making $50,000 a year, it's relatively easy to replace that income with something else. But I was, you know, I started, I was between two to 250 is what I was making a year as, as a ER doc. And it's a big, it's a big hurdle when you're starting out to replace that type of income. And again, when you're married, you have kids, you have a mortgage, you, you, your, your family and your friends are like, wait, what, what are you doing? You're, you're out doing, you know, rehabbing a house. Like, what's going on here, man? Like you're supposed to be in the, in the emergency room working, right? So it's a difficult transition, but uh, for me, I, yeah, I couldn't just leave medicine hundred percent and then just jump over. I had to kind of you know, do it while I was working in the ER, I had to kind of build this business on the side, which was uh, you know, quite demanding. I love this. And this, I think, is a great topic because this will cover, this piece of this topic will cover really anybody, everybody kind of, I think, no matter what profession, no matter what you do, even realtors, they mm -hmm. stop and think to themselves, at what point do I start investing? And so what is your advice for somebody who's who's achieved great success doing it, you know, where do you start when you dabble over while you're still maintaining a probably 40 hour plus a week job? Yeah, I think you need to build a capital base. Again, real estate, you don't have to have money to become a real estate investor. You can build a capital base. But when you start doing rehabs and actually investing in real estate, you do need some level of capital. I always say about 50,000 or more that kind of gets you into the game. So uh, what I did is, again, as a physician, I was able to you know have that capital ready. And really, you can do, you know, you, you can do a couple of rehabs or buy some properties and manage them. Uh, you know, you can't do like 10 or, or 20 rehabs a year. Uh, that's a full time job. But, you know, a couple of year to get yourself started, start, you know, that, that's how I started. Exactly. did a couple and then just built that more and more. And then the cash flow started coming. It's like, OK, you know, in 2009, I still remember I was like, OK, this is it. <laughs> this is enough money. Now I can officially like, you know, stop working in the emergency room. Awesome. And so what did that so what? What did that entail? So when you say, okay, I'm going to go buy probably single family, I'm assuming mm -hmm. uh, you would do rehabs. Were you getting, were you swinging hammers? Were you hiring contractors at GC? Like what was your strategy and what do you recommend to the young potential real estate investor on how to crack it? What's the best way? Cause I'm sure you've had many failures along the way as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think any successful person is uh, there's you know probably more failures and success to be honest, but People look at the six and oh wow, look at all the stuff this guy's done. We don't, you know, tend to look at the failures, which is fine, which is you know good. But yeah, my, my first two deals were just simple rehabs. I bought, I think I bought the first house for two hundred. I put about fifty into it, sold for about three fifty. I made probably made about fifty thousand on it, but it was you know because I didn't realize all the extra fees I was paying and the you know I thought I spent fifty, probably spent more like seventy five. That's really what I did. I, I recommend just starting, you know. I like rehab to start. That's that's. Um, I think it, it's a, the quickest way to build your capital base because again, you can take fifty thousand, turn it into one hundred thousand, which is what I did in that very first deal. I don't recommend using a GC at all for for rehabs. Uh, I think they're too small of projects. The, pro, the there's not a profit to pay a GC, uh, and really, you got to know what what's going on with these projects. This idea of oh, getting rehab and just having a GC handle it, it just doesn't work. Uh, you got to know what's going on. You got to be on top of the project. GCs are notorious for, oh, well, we got other jobs going on. We'll get back to you in two weeks. Uh, they'll also, their incentive is to do more work because they get paid more the more work they do. So you got to know what really needs to be done in this house, what doesn't. So yeah, I think you just have to get going. I mean, that's what I did. I didn't really know much about how to rehab a house when I did my first couple, but you know, I learned along the way. After about five, I was like, okay, I think I got this. <laughs> 
So, so you were doing the GCing yourself? I, I was essentially, yeah, I'm still a GC. Yeah, I still GC all our projects and the large ones we do now. Uh, and I, I recommend that. I just don't think with small rehabs, there's enough budget to hire a competent GP, GC. That's interesting. And I think that's really good advice. Um, but that's also, there, 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 there requires some level of expertise. I've done plenty of rehabs myself. I failed miserably at it partially because of the time that I did it. We were buying all our properties 040506 and you can you know what happened uh, the subsequent years. So we just got hammered. But in terms of, I, I remember what it was like and, and still managing contractors is a job in and of itself, getting them to show up, sometimes going there and actually managing them to get the job done. And what kind of advice would you have for somebody? So you, you recommend no GC, there's not enough profit margin. And, and by the way, you're in DC, like the, the price point is much higher. Mm -hmm. I'm in St. Louis, your 200,000 is my 75, mm -hmm. right? So, and I'm not gonna flip that for 300, I'm gonna flip it for 150 or 175. So my profit margin is gonna be lower. Uh, so I'm gotta pinch pennies even further. Mm -hmm. Any any advice that you would have for that young investor when they're you know you okay they say okay I'm gonna take Sunil's advice I'm not gonna I'm gonna GC I'm gonna manage I'm gonna hire a plumber and a carpenter and blah 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 right. is there any advice that you would give them in terms of how to find the right ones uh, is there a certain certain interview process that that, that you uh, that you incorporate anything like that that you, any advice you can give. Yeah, um, I actually have some videos out on my YouTube channel about that exact topic of how to find the right contractors. Go, go check that out if you guys are interested in more detailed explanation. What's, but, what's the name of your page? Uh, it should be just my name. Uh, it's the Sunil Saxena. Uh, that's all my handles, Instagram, um, uh, TikTok, and uh, YouTube. But really in this business, there's no like website you can go to or there's no like, you know, oh, just go check this out and this is where all the contractors are. Because we're not looking for the guys with the fancy trucks and have the logos, you know, that they have an office that answers their phones. Uh, we want guys that are competent, do a good job, are licensed and insured, but just usually like a small, they're all, they have their own small business, right? They kind of have maybe a couple of guys that work for them, they're electrician or plumber, whatever. The best way is word of mouth. You really got to just go, you know, just you start with one or two good ones. You find somebody and then they, oh, yeah, they, they got another guy. You need a carpenter. Oh, yeah, they got that guy. I just remember actually one of our bigger jobs, one of the concrete guys, we need to, we need an extra framer. And I was like, hey, do you know any framer? He's like, yeah, I got a couple of guys I know. So we, we contacted them. We're like, wow, these guys are really good. So now we have two extra framing crews that are really good. Uh, so I think it's that the other strategy I always say is like, actually go to Home Depot. <laughs> um, that's where the contractors hang out. Uh, you literally go there and you just start talking to people and then you'll start getting, okay, this guy might know that guy, that type of thing. But yeah, it's really a word of mouth uh, type of business. You can go, um, I guess one of the guys called it uh, dumpster driving, where you go and look for dumpsters around town where there's construction going on. And you just politely go into the job site and see who's working that day and, and see what trade they are. And then, you know, if you don't, if you need that trade, great. If you don't say, hey, I need a so-and-so and that person might be, oh yeah, I got a plumber for you or an electrician or whatever. So it's that kind of a business. You don't need like a hundred subs. You need maybe like 10 or 15. So it's not like a tremendous amount. You just have to start lining those, those guys up. Uh, they can do the, the work for you at the right price. That's fascinating. And, and then in terms of backup, so you have a carpenter, you have a, you know, a plumber or whatever. Do you have layers of each trade? Yeah, I always recommend try to have up to three. It depends on the volume you're doing. So if you're only doing one or two rehabs a year, it's gonna be hard to have like, you know, three different plumbers because you can't keep them busy. So you just kind of pick the best one. With us, we do, we have over 200 units in, 200 units in development right now with uh, condos. 
<clears throat> so we have at least three of each, I mean, minimum, <laughs> uh, three plumbers we can call because we can't, I mean, we're, we would overwhelm one, uh, one plumber with all the work we have. So yeah, I recommend a deep bench, but again, it depends on the volume you're doing. Interesting. Awesome. So let's talk about the next level then. So at what point did you say, all right, I, I've gotten, you know, I'm doing a couple of rehabs. That's how you started. What was, what that, what does that progression look like? And, and to, to lead you to where you are today? Yeah, there's really, there's, what I, I, in my mind, there's like three types of rehabs. One is where you just, you, you, you operate in the current footprint. So you, you, you buy a house, you carpet, paint, new kitchen, bath, whatever. Number two is expanding the footprint. So that's adding a family room or a kitchen or adding square footage in some way. And then number three is just ground up where you scrape the house completely and then you kind of build something new. So I went through that exact progression. My first so many were just, you know, basic rehabs. And I started, I started going, hmm, if I had a family room here, this house would be worth a lot more. And we just did that. And then I started a new home building company because I realized that you, know, you can even make more money there. Uh, so I just kind of kept working up bigger and bigger projects. Um, and you just have to see like what kind of makes sense for you. Well, what did that time frame look like for you? Mm, started doing rehabs at 08, like right after the crash, 08, 09. Started a new home building company in 2012. And then really started doing bigger projects, probably 18, 2018. Really? Okay. So about 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And what year did you say that you stepped fully away from medicine? Uh, 2009. Okay. I was only a year. Interesting. <laughs> I, okay. Yeah. I was doing within a couple, within about a year. Well, actually I was doing some other like businesses as well that weren't like not real estate related. So they helped me a little bit, but yeah, it was about two to three years of, of doing rehabs before I could really say that money was enough to replace my income. I mean, it's a good gauge. It's, it's why it's fun to talk to people that actually live and breathe and do it because I think somebody listening is thinking to themselves, I hate selling real estate or I hate being a teacher or I hate whatever it is I'm doing. I hate my corporate America job. I want to do this. What's realistic. If I start dabbling in it, uh, how many years do I have to put in? And I know it's not going to be one size fits all. It's going to be very different for everybody, but I think I love that. It's a good two to three years is what you can expect. That's fantastic. So now let's fast forward uh, to 2018 what you say big, what are you doing now? Right. Yeah. I guess big is all relative, right? Depends on who uh -huh. you're talking to. So uh, we're doing between uh, six and 50 unit buildings right now in DC. That's our focus. So uh, we just last week purchased a 36 unit where we bought a building and we're going to turn it into 36 luxury condos. So, you know, the, the game or whatever in, in, in urban areas is increasing density and increasing square footage. So you buy a whatever whatever property you buy and you go up, you go back, you go down, whatever you can do to increase that square footage because it's so valuable in urban centers. But yeah, that, that's our MO right now is basically those projects. So I, I, I would consider it probably medium size compared to, I mean, there's guys doing 100, 200 unit projects uh, or even bigger. But, um, but for us, that's, that's, you know, probably 50 units is our biggest project right now. So tell me about this building that you just bought. What is it now? Uh, it's a freestanding building. It was owned by a bank. And uh, it's right on Georgia Avenue, which is the main corridor from downtown D.C. all the way up to uh, Silver Spring, Maryland. Or, I don't know if Silver Spring, but Maryland. Um, and, yeah, it was, it's a freestanding building. The bank moved to the building next door, and they just had this kind of extra building laying around. Uh, so we bought it. We analyzed it. And, um, yeah, we're, we're going to be able we're building uh, 36 units there now. So what, what was it now? An office building? Uh, it is. It was just a freestanding kind of old bank building. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So it's, it takes a little bit of creative thinking, you know, to think outside the box and think, what can I do with a building that had nothing to do with residential real estate? So there's some zoning involved. There's gonna be all that kind of thing as well, right? 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, like, like you mentioned, it, you know, it probably takes you about a decade to do start doing projects like this because I can't. I can teach you how to do a rehab, you know, relatively quickly. But what what we do now is involved. We have to have an architect, an engineer. We have to know zoning. We have to really analyze the project. There's a lot of moving parts. Just the permitting process in DC is a nightmare. I mean, it's it's six months to a year to get the permits because there's so many departments and all that. So, again, simple rehabs can be you know, relatively quickly, you can get started in them. But if you want to graduate to what I call like level four and level five stuff, which is bigger projects that you need that experience to really um, kind of be able to do this. It's fascinating. And so now I'm going to totally shift a little bit. I mentioned obviously in the very beginning, you know, your use of social media and even more specific TikTok and you and Dan are doing some amazing things. You've grown some massive following. Let's start with this uh, because there's context here. So as a real estate agent, I want you to hear this because like this is outside the box thinking and what they've done with it. And if you guys know Dan Lesniak, he's not like the guy, he's very dry. Uh, Great dude. Once you get to know him, especially once you get into his circle, he's actually really funny. But if you don't know him, he's, he's, he keeps, he keeps a hard outer shell. Right. So, Dan and TikTok just don't go together. And I imagine, you know, Sunil, the, the doctor, right? The real estate investor, ah, come on. That's not, that's not going to be interesting on TikTok, but you guys are crushing it. So yeah. where, where did this, where did this start? Like, what was the idea behind this? Was it accidental? Was it intentional? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, we decided actually last fall, Dan and I, we hired a full-time social media person because uh, really our, our end game with social media is raising capital because if we could, the more capital we can raise, the more projects we can do. So that, that's how we monetize it. And the bigger footprint and the presence we have, then more people are interested in our, in our projects. We can get them out to show people, things like that. Uh, in fact, that's, we have our, one of our top links on our, on our social media is our webinar, which takes us to our, our to, takes you to the investing, um, our investment, our, our fund. Yeah, so last fall we decided to do it. We started in January. The person started, I remember, in like first week of January. And since then, we've really, you know, been very fortunate that it's taken off. I'm at like 630,000 on TikTok and, you know, 129 on Instagram. Wow. So it's um, it's working. Uh, there seems to be a demand or people want to learn about this stuff. Uh, we're actually launching a course here. We, we, we're thinking next week, maybe it might be a couple more weeks, but we're hoping for next week. Uh, and we've got, you know, already like 15, 1600 people on our list that are interested in the course. Uh, so there's just, I think there's a hunger out there for this type of stuff. Uh, because truly, you know, th- this is not like, you know, like, well, I, I'm not a big fan of crypto. So I, I consider crypto kind of a scam <laughs> um, that I know that's controversial right now, but this is the real deal. I mean, real estate really can provide you financial freedom, wealth building, all these incredible, uh, you know, it's, it, the lifestyle I live right now, I still sometimes like, wow, this is really cool. And I would no way medicine ever would have been able to do that in, in a million years. So, yeah, I think we're just fortunate to be able to do it. And uh, I think there's a, really a demand out there for people that want to do stuff like this. So, you know, that's probably the reason why our channels have done well. <laughs> that's awesome. So what it, tell us a little bit about the strategy. I mean, you know, because, again, I think a lot of people struggle just with, you know, th- they understand TikTok because it's entertaining to them. But how to bring it back to business is challenging. So what, what is your guys' strategy? What does that look like? How did you guys come up with that strategy? Well, I think and the first thing you have to decide is like with TikTok, especially, are you going to be entertainment or education and really stick to one or the other? Uh, I think that's what Dan struggled with before he was kind of trying to be funny and trying to be entertaining. But it's like, like you said, that's not Dan, right? That's not who well, you he know, is. you know, there's a new word now, edutainment. Oh. 
I know, I know, but <laughs> I'm, I'm advocating like pick one. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha. So um, it's, you, know, you, you can try. You could. I, I actually believe it or not, I do some stand up comedy as well. I was just at a at a show last night. Very, very uh, Sebastian Maniscalco. I just saw him last night. Incredible. I love that guy. So if you're listening, Sebastian, thumbs up, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand how difficult it is to be entertaining and and funny. It's, it's not that as easy as it looks sometimes. Uh, so, anyways, I think you know my my platform. And when Dan, I told Dan like, dude, just stick to like bringing value to people from all the experience you've had and that really allowed him to take off so that's the first step is just deciding what you're going to do I, most of us probably on this call are going to be more education than entertainment and then uh, from there it's just you know we uh, when i first started we were posting like 10 times a day uh it was a pretty um you know like we had a full-time guy doing it my son was helping me as well uh, now that we've built up a following i'm posting on like one or two times a day uh, but it's just understanding the time to post, the hashtags, the type of content, the hooks. There's a lot of things that go into it uh, that I think have made it successful. So give me an example of a video that performed very well first. Let's let's talk about performance in terms of social media. But then I also, second question, one that's performed very well that turned into opportunity or created, brought you an investor or something like that. Yeah, we've... Um, I mean, it, I don't know if there's a specific video that brought us investors, but like just our general presence out there, uh, it helps people get to our, our meetup group. We, you know, I, I know a lot of people I've met there. They say, oh yeah, I saw you on Instagram. And I want I wanted to come meet you, that kind of thing. Um, and it's hard to track exactly where the investors came from, but in general, that presence really helps us. Uh, as far as like specific videos, it's more, I, I think the, the formula to me is like, <clears throat> like a strong hook and then a couple, you know, one or two points in the middle and then like a call to action at the end. So I see a lot of people do none of those three things. They just kind of like say stuff or yeah, like, whatever. Hey, happy, happy Monday. Right. Exactly. God, I, hate like, I hate that. You know, you're just going to keep scrolling. So yep. strong hook. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, a strong hook is the one of the most important things you, as, as people are scrolling, they want to, you know, if you hook them, they're gonna be like, oh, okay, what is this guy saying or something like that. So again, a couple, I'm just trying to think through off the top of my head, some videos that have done well. It was, um, one was again, my number one mistake in real estate or the biggest mistake I made in real estate. Uh, they, people are, oh, what is it? What, what is it? Let me, I want to know. We, we have a thing about how to like help teens make one to 5,000 a month, like through bird dogging and things like that. So it's like the hook is, you know, how to make one to 5,000 a month as a teen. Uh, so just things like that, that tend to build the audience uh, or not, not build the audience. I'm sorry, but People, make people watch the entire video. Yeah, create intrigue is basically what you're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, you've got what three to five seconds tops to grab their attention. Uh, we yeah. preach this. We have a video school, so we we preach the hell out of this. Like, use a damn hook, and I cringe every time. And then still to this day, can I think people just get nervous? They get in front of the camera, and then they just immediately want to say hi, guys. Uh, right. But that's all you got. Like that's that's that that's how you're you're either gonna win or lose with that. Okay. By the time you say hi, guys, they've already scrolled past. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so so TikTok is one and, and, and standing ovation, applause, love what you're doing. You guys need to go check them out. Uh, the Sunil Sexina uh, mm -hmm. on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. But let's talk a little bit about Instagram, too, because I think this is important. And I'm driving this home because... Uh, I believe that TikTok is the future of social media, whether it is TikTok or not. TikTok is driving where social media is going, whether or not Zuckerberg figures that out and actually execute it because you're on Instagram. So, you know that Instagram sucks right. in comparison to TikTok. Reels sucks mm -hmm. compared to TikTok, but we have to use it because the right. platform wants us to. Uh, so, so what about Instagram? You have a, a similar strategy, different strategy. How are you using Instagram in comparison to TikTok? 
Yeah, the strategy when we started in January was, um, you know, let because TikTok's really the only way you can grow organically right now. Honestly, everything else is kind of pay for play. So the idea is like grow your TikTok and then let it feed everything else. And that's exactly what how it's worked. I, I was skeptical when I started too. I was like, is this really going to work? I mean, people going to go from TikTok to other platforms, but we did. I've got you know six and a half thousand on my YouTube channel now, just hundred percent through just driving people over there. Really. My at 129,000 and we've paid, we've spent zero all that's organic like zero ad spend so really what we do is we just take the same content and we just put it over to instagram and then we do also some extra stuff on instagram uh really that's all we've done um and it's kind of driven a lot of people over there i think some people like using instagram better it's just more comfortable for them so they go over there uh the other i'm trying to think what else uh, we do I, I i just recently stopped but i was doing daily lives as well i, I know dan does a lot of that uh, but we were doing it every day at 11 o'clock Eastern. Uh, it was just getting too much. So I, I couldn't keep doing it. But we would take those. Those would become part of the content every day and people would watch them and it would build the audience. So uh, a live so yeah. on a live on Instagram on both. We would go live on TikTok and Instagram. So just two phones using two phones. Yep, exactly. Right. Love it. Love it. So that, that leads me to another question that I think a lot of people might be interested in. I am. When you hired this social media person, uh, A, are they local? And B, what are you looking for? Like, so you guys said, we need a social media person. Well, that's really broad. When right. you sat down and said, this is what we want you to do, what did that look like? Because I think there's a lot of successful real estate professionals that thinking I should probably do the same thing. I, I would highly recommend it. I mean, you know, we, I think his, he actually ended up having to leave because he had, he, his, him and his wife moved down to Atlanta. Uh, so he was local. Uh, his wife got into school down there. So he had to, he moved down there. So we have another another person now, but I highly recommend it. You know, budget thirty to fifty thousand dollars. I mean, if you can do that, it really does help your brand. Uh, I can give you examples of real estate agents just here in DC that have really blown up on TikTok and social media, and that's really allowed them to almost become like locally famous a little bit, and they get these listings they would have never gotten otherwise. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is that TikTok, it, it kind of works like this, right? It's like your your son or some younger person is looking at TikTok, and they're like. Oh well, my dad said he wants to sell his house. Hey, dad, I said, look at this real estate agent on TikTok, right? And that, so you said that that's so people think, oh, like you know, real people don't are on TikTok. It it works, trust me. Yes, it it absolutely works. So, yeah, I think we just said like our goal. We just said like we we you know our ultimate target was maybe like a million followers on Instagram at some point. That was our ultimate goal. Uh, we hired someone who felt that we gave him some, some some examples of people in the real estate business who had done it, and uh, he said, yeah, you know, well. I really think we can get you about 30,000 by next January. So that was our goal, 30,000 by January of 2022. And here we had 130,000 in June of, of 2021. So I think it's a combination of just, you know, being um, strategic about it, doing it every day, doing it religiously. And honestly, I think with my experience, I have a lot to offer. You know, I'm not just some guy out there, you know, been doing this a year, just yapping. So I think people see that. So I think the it's all kind of come together a little bit. But uh, again, I, 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 you know, I highly recommend it. <laughs> what is, what is this person's function? What are they doing? Uh, they have like three or four different things we do. We have some investor funnels that we run separately. So they're just literally, we, we run cold traffic to these funnels. Then we do our webinars and stuff like that. So that's one big chunk. Number two is growing Dan and I social media. So we're focused on TikTok and Instagram. So they help with the editing and the video creation, things like that. Uh, we do have about two or three interns now that just do editing, which is the, the harder part of this thing. Uh, the easy, relatively easy part is recording the videos, um, but the editing is, you know, can be a little time consuming. So really the investor funnels, the, um, the uh, social media, and our third big bucket now is education. 
So we're launching courses and we have a, a, a we have a, um, a one day seminar coming up in October as well for investors. So we're, we're building all those systems out right now. It's probably those three big buckets is what this person is responsible awesome. for. So a lot of it really is because a lot of things people think they think videographer, but that's not what you want. You, you actually need you're actually probably just shooting yourself on the camera mm -hmm. and then just sending them raw footage and they're taking it and doing all sorts of fun things because these I, I say kids, uh, you and I are probably a similar age. Uh, that's what they're born and bred to do. They all know how to do it, relatively speaking. So there's a lot of, there's actually a lot of talent out there uh, and you can get them relatively cheap, you know, and, and, and you guys are a great example. You hired somebody, they moved away, but by that point, you probably knew exactly what you wanted and needed. So it made it easier to find the next one, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need a videographer at all. You, you don't want like super highly produced, high quality videos. Again, they, they, the lighting has to be good and the sound has to be good. Those are the two things. Because if, if those aren't good, people just, they can't watch the video. So literally it's just my son and I will go like once a week and we'll, he'll just record me because, you know, I, I don't like to hold the camera yep. <laughs> and I'll just record it. Then we either, you know, he helps with some editing as well as our, the guy we hired and uh, they just edit themselves. Yeah. I mean, there's platforms. They can just do it right on their phone. It's very yep. easy at yep. the script and all that stuff. So yeah, you do not need a, um, a videographer. Certainly. I'm the guy who does a lot of that still myself. I have a full-time videographer, but I need a full-time content creator at this point, which is exactly what you guys essentially, that's what you have. It's a right. content creator. So uh, I love that. I think that's really good advice. So again, and, and I want to drive this home to everyone for the first thing I would say to you is there's a couple of really important topics here is, is one is obviously the real estate investing. Uh, that's the, the obvious. Um, obviously, Sunil comes from a place of, of a lot of success and has kind of just, you know, climbed up that ladder of success uh, like anybody aspires to do, but also how he's using social media. And so again, I'm going to say it again, the Sunil Sexy, you know, let me spell it, the S-U-N-I-L, Sax, S-A-X-E-N-A, -E that's one word, Saxena. Uh, so go check that out, follow along, emulate what these guys are doing. I didn't say copy, but that is what, social media is a copycat world. They're in a specific market. You're probably not in their market. You can emulate what they're doing. That's exactly how I learned to do what I do. And I'm, I do what you guys do just at a smaller scale because I do it all myself. I love it, man. This is this is great. There's one thing that, that you mentioned, which was, you know, you're blown away by the wealth that you have grown. And uh, I read in one of your bullet points, uh, the how to drive exotic cars for free. So first right. of all, you can probably afford said exotic cars, but you're like, uh-uh, I'm going to be smart. I don't want to drive them for free. Right, right. That's really good TikTok content. First of all, I'm sure you've already put it out there, but right. tell, tell us about that. A little bit about that. Sure, absolutely. I'm uh, Number one is I'm, I'm an investor, so I can never pay full price for anything. I don't care how much money I have. I still see guys going out buying brand new like Rolls and Bentleys. And I cringe. I'm like, why are you like, you know, just you know, pissing whatever. money away? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, um, so anyways, yeah, actually I've partnered with, um, of the folks at exotic car access. Actually, it's a guy who has a course on that whole thing. That's how I learned it through him. So again, the links in my bio, he's a true expert at this. So if you really want to do this, which I, I think it's freaking awesome, uh, go check his stuff out. Uh, but yeah, I just, I mean, the idea is you just buy these cars at the right, uh, on the depreciation curve. So I just picked up a 2015 Bentley a couple of months ago, a uh, beautiful car, almost looks brand new, 25,000 miles. I was able to get it, negotiate a deal where I bought it for the same price as about a 2014 Bentley, uh, the same, you know, make and model, but really you want to look at the depreciation curve because it's very steep when the car, you know, brand new car, right? It goes, it depreciates very quickly. Uh, the nice thing with exotic cars is that usually about the five or six year mark, the depreciation curve actually flattens. 
it may tr trickle down a little bit, but you can essentially sell that car six months later or a year later for the same price you bought it for because of the flattening of the curve. Uh, and that's why exotic cars actually work better than regular cars like a Mercedes or a BMW, because those curves never really flatten. They, they kind of, they, 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 whatever you call it, turn, but they still trickle like pretty steeply down. Some, some cars actually go up. They, they hit a point, they actually go up. So like a lot of Ferraris and stuff, you, you can actually buy them and hold them. And then you actually sell them for more down the road. So it's just, that's the fundamental concept. It's hard to explain in just like a quick soundbite. But the idea is buy them at the right time and the right price. And then you can basically drive it for free and uh, sell it six months to a year later and, you know, enjoy the car. What do you mean by free? I mean, free. I mean, uh, I bought that car for the mid 80s. I can probably sell it today for low 90s. Uh, so if you take my my taxes that I paid on it to the state of Virginia, my insurance, all that stuff, I can actually either drive it for free or actually make a little bit of money on the car. In other words, you are doing something with cars that the vast majority of the world is not, which is getting into an appreciating situation versus a depreciating situation. Correct. It's either appreciating or you're buying it just below the value that you know you can sell it. But for. the value holds, which is not normal for most cars. Absolutely. You have to just know the right car and the right time. To buy. Totally fascinating. This is, it's been fun, dude. This is a uh, kind of off the wall, all over the place, all but I, the you know, you can only talk about real estate so much and you know, we're on episode 130 or something. So I've had a lot of real estate conversations. Um, I love having conversations like this because in my opinion, this is, it, well, it's it's not even my opinion. The, the proof is in the pudding. Look what these guys are doing. And and uh, Sunil is, is crushing it. Uh, I have zero doubts that you are going, you've already hockey sticked curved is what we call it, right? Uh, and your hockey stick's not done probably curving and going up because you probably haven't even fully felt the effects of what you're doing on social. Uh, mm -hmm. Because that typically takes, you know, you get the followers first and then they, it, it materializes. And I love what you said earlier, and I'm going to say it again. Anybody wanting to get into the social media game, it's a really hard ROI to track. We actually have an app where we create done for you content. I have this conversation all the time with the real estate community. It's like, well, what's my ROI going to be? When can I expect to me? And I'm like, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's right. like a billboard essentially, but way better, much far more exponential, right? And more powerful. And so it's like, you're not going to necessarily, I love that you answered that because your answer tells me you, you're right. You are 100% right. Our business has done this too. I can 100% attribute it to video and social media, but I can't say it happened right here at this video, right? Or that it was a culmination over time. Somebody will email me and say, I've been following you for three years. I wanted to reach out. I want to come work for you. And it's like, boom, winner, right? Um, and I think that's exactly what's happening to you guys. And it's going to you're actually technically an in infancy. You're an in infancy, yet you just right. you just Usain bolted by all of us in terms of followers. Right, right, right. Um, no, I, again, just to reiterate that point, and that's hundred percent because we I did a quick social media panel at one of Dan and Carrie's conferences. They had a, you know like seventy five realtors in the room, and that was my big the biggest question is like, well, why are you doing this? Like, what's the point? Are you trying to be famous or or what is it? Like, no, I mean, just the amount of credibility it gives you. I mean, like, again, why, you know, I wrote books because I wanted to write books, but part of it's because I want to be able to say I'm a published author. Yeah. So when people say, oh, you're a published author, you got 600,000 on TikTok, you got 120 on, it just gives you credibility, if nothing else, and then people want to work with you. So 
you know, don't do it just for that reason, but that's definitely part of this thing. It's not a specific, oh, you're going to make this ROI, you know, that type of thing. Yep. I love it. And you know what the beauty of it for you and I is, is most people will never actually fully understand this, which is why the competition will always be somewhat minimal. And so right. I, I have no problem standing on stages and, you know, even my own employees tell me that, why are you sharing your secrets? I'm like, because no one's going to follow. Right. Who does it anyway? <laughs> Less than 1%. And so here we are sharing this with this audience. There's going to be thousands of listeners. And I can tell you that many of you, if not all of you, aren't going to do anything with it. So be that 1%. Do something with this. That's why you're listening today. You're already taking it one step further than most. You're listening to a podcast. Right. So, uh, Sunil, this has been fantastic. Is there anything that you'd like to leave uh, our audience in closing? No, and thank you. I, I've enjoyed it as well. I, I love talking about real estate, cars, all the stuff we've talked about. So uh, hopefully it was enjoyable and, uh, you know, happy to answer any of their questions. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, go follow Sunil. I, I assume the best way to connect with you is through your social media? Correct. Yeah, just DM me there. <laughs> awesome. So shoot him a DM. Go check him out. I know I am going to, uh, if I don't already follow you, I'm going to, because I know I've seen you through Dan's stuff. Uh, awesome. Uh, Sunil, I, I have a feeling we're going to connect in real life one of these days at one of the hyper fast events. And yep. uh, I hope we do. And we'll break some bread and yeah, have a good time. All right. Looking forward to it, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks, brother. All right. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Street Text, where you can run Facebook ads that actually work. They're ready to go Facebook ads that include landing pages, text message assistance through AI, drip emails, capture forms, and best practices. Join Street Text at streettext.com. Lab Coat Agents Podcasts.